Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Donna. Hi, I'm Donna, compulsive eater. Donna. And I'm nervous. I've heard about this meeting for so long. I'm like, really? I'm speaking at this meeting? And uh, to qualify, I, I'm maintaining about a 70-pound weight release. So I was like, really? I can speak at the century meeting? So um, anyway, I'm really grateful to be here. And there's a lot of people I know. It's so good to, to you know, show up and see people I've known for years. I've been in program, um, I think, 17, coming up to 17 and a half years. <laughs> Obstinate, very imperfectly for 16 and a half. Um, I, um, top weight was 194, and when I weighed myself Monday, I was 123. I am 123. Um, and I'll give a little bit about um, history about my, my background of being a compulsive eater, but I also want to focus the evening on emotional sobriety. And so let's see, I come, I would say I come from a long line of compulsive eaters. That's what my family does when things are good, when things are bad, we eat. Um, and if I ever need to, if I ever start thinking, well, maybe I'm kind of normal, um, I just need to look at my family because I have two sisters who are obese. One of them now has diabetes. And the sister who is a healthy body weight is a sugar addict and has issues with her bones because of the sugar that she eats. And uh, my mother was obese. My father was obese. Um, they're both past. Um, my dad had gout and diabetes. Um, and most of my relatives are overweight, too. So anyway, you know, whenever I think, okay, you know, I've got this all figured out, um, I just need to look at, around and, um, and remind myself I am an addict. And, you know, I would say I just have this visual of uh, when I was probably about five, I, I was climbing up on a chair to reach the kitchen counter to eat uh, butter. Uh, just eat, eat, you know, butter straight from the stick. That was... Uh, I love fat, I still do, it's a problem, it can really trigger me. A lot of people talk about sugar and uh, flour, salt and fat are big triggers for me. I put the sugar down um, about 15 years ago on, on, a, on a Halloween, surprise, surprise. So, um, you know, my, my disease is, uh, I didn't go into real big binging or purging or anything like that. Um, I could happily just eat all day, like kind of just nibbling, grazing, never really feeling hungry, never really feeling full, never really feeling, you know, just being numbed out. So I'd be happy just to graze all day. Part of uh, being in a program that's really helped me is learning like what a meal is, what constitutes a meal, what food groups are in a meal, and then that there's spaces between meals. So generally I eat three meals a day and maybe a snack. You know, ideally I don't eat snacks. I find it, snacks are really hard. Like what? Is it a meal? Is it how, you know, once I start eating, like, I just want to keep eating. So um, I try to do three meals a day, except for when, you know, I'm traveling or I'm being active um, and, um, and not have uh, snacks. <clears throat> and um, when I was in high school, I remember hearing about bulimia and anorexia. And I'm like, well, I don't do those things with food. So I guess I don't have an eating disorder, but I, know, I knew I wasn't right. Um, and then also with my weight, like I would just like put on like five pounds a year, you know? And so it wasn't like I was really ever, you know, um, suddenly went up. I didn't really go down much. Um, but I do think, you know, okay, I'm maintaining a 70 pound weight, weight release. But if I wasn't in program, I would still be gaining five pounds a year, which would be another, you know, 60 plus pounds. So, um, it's not just how much I lost, it's how much I haven't continued to put on. So um, I always thought, like, if I could just figure things out, I would stop eating, you know. So, of course, I went to therapy. 
I'd read the self-help books. Like I thought, well, if I could just like get the right like essential oils or crystal or something, you know, just to fix me. I still just want to be fixed. Um, and um, and then I went to therapy, and um, well, I did a couple of different therapists. But I, at that time, I was um, in a stressful job, and um, would come home and eat a whole bag of chips um, when I come home from work, sitting on the couch and just being like, here I am, being all like successful and ambitious in a software company and when I come home like I just cannot put down the bag so I thought if I could just figure myself out I could stop that eating and a therapist um, I was seeing at the time suggested I come to OA and I was like horrified and disgusted I thought you know look I've got it together I don't need that 12-step crap you know I don't want to be around you people Um, but I went to a few meetings and just kind of came late left early didn't work the steps didn't do anything um, and I said, okay, well, I'll cut out wheat because I'm allergic to it, and um, that'll be my abstinence. And then I continued to eat everything that didn't have wheat, which there is quite a lot, I can tell you. <laughs> and I gained weight, and I thought, well, this obviously doesn't work. But, um, but the seed had been planted, and so um, one day uh, I, I had um, a big party, and everyone I invited came, plus their friends, and everyone descended on my house, and then they left, and I was home alone with the leftovers. And I was sitting there. I wasn't hungry, but I was like, I had no one to debrief with. I was just kind of tired and overwhelmed. And I was started doing the hand-to-mouth thing, and um, I, I was like a penny dropped. I, oh, I'm a compulsive eater. So that was a Sunday in early October, and I went to a Tuesday night meeting in Palo Alto, which is where I live. And I was like, my people, I'm home and um, started working the program and got a sponsor and worked the steps. There were a few um, ahas like, um, that really helped me in those early days. One was I thought, well, I'll just like, kind of read the books and figure it out and go off and do it on my own. And, or, you know, I'm special, the, you know, the snowflake theory. Like, I'm a special snowflake. I'm, I, I, I can't do it that way. I got to do it my way. And, um, and there was a realization like, wait a second, this is based on a 12-step program based on Alcoholics Anonymous, which has been around since the 30s, which is helping millions of people all over the world. Maybe I could just shut up and follow directions. And I do believe that shutting up and following directions is a big part of the spiritual aspect of the program. You know, like monks get up and meditate four in the morning, not because that's maybe a special, but it's about like the surrendering to the process. And so there's, I think, a lot about the 12-step program where we surrender to the process. And I've heard, you know, 12-step is not, um, def- you know, it's not defiance, it's not compliance, it's surrender. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, so I've worked, I can't even tell you how many times I've worked the steps. I've worked the steps a lot. I'm going to say maybe 10 or 12 times. Um, and I'm a big fan of continuing to work the steps, and I'm going to talk more about that. Um, I'm very, very grateful that my weight came off very gradually. Um, I know a lot of people in program who lost weight dramatically, and it was such a kind of, you know, trauma for them that they, they kind of didn't know who they were, and it caused them a lot of stress. So I lost weight, like I lose 10 or 20 pounds, hang out there for a year or two, you know, adjust my food plan and uh, my exercise, lose another 10 or 20 pounds, and um, I never, my, my goal weight for half of my life was 140 pounds, and so what do I know, you know? Um, when I get, did get to 140 pounds, I was like, oh my God, you know, I've arrived. As it says in the big book with Bill, I, you know, he was uh, a big shot on Wall Street, I have arrived. Well, I felt like I have arrived. I hit my goal weight of 140 pounds, and I gotta tell you, I was pissed off. 
Because I thought life was, you know, my whole life, well, if only I weighed less, if only, you know, I'd show up and look around the room and go, well, I'm the biggest person here, you know. And suddenly I wasn't, not suddenly, but eventually I wasn't. And um, I I just thought, you know, I was going to be a different person. I thought life was going to be easier. Um, I thought the birds would be singing. I thought I was going to live happily ever after. And I was pissed off. And um, thankfully I stayed in program and just kind of worked through that. Because I really thought um, I was going to be, I was going to be better. Um, and then uh, I continued to work my program, but there was a time where I started to realize, I'm, you know, I was like willing to turn some things over to God, but I was managing my weight with a death grip. You know, like I have got to stay thin, or else. And you know, I still, I still panic. You know, when I get on the scale, I still panic when I gain weight. <coughs> even if it's a few ounces, to be honest with you, um, I still panic that like all the weight is just going to kind of jump out from behind a door and just be like, ah, you know, ta-da, I'm here. And like jump back on me and like kind of like, that's the real Donna. And this is like kind of a, I, I'm just like so carefully, like I got to control it all or else that's all going to just descend back on me. And then who, you know, can I, you know, and I, I, I you know, I'm trying, I, 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 that, that, that uh, overweight fat Donna, like, I have, you know, like, can I love her? Can I, you know, there's a lot of rejection around that. Probably stuff for me to still to work on. So, um, let's see, I think it was about two years ago, um, I went to the OA birthday party, which I highly recommend. It's at the, um, the like, I think, third, third uh, weekend of January every year. And this year, I didn't go, but there's about a thousand people from all over the world. Um, but I, I left and I'm feeling kind of, I've been feeling kind of down and um, I talked to this guy who said, here, let me send you this uh, speaker, it was an AA speaker, and he talked about emotional sobriety and I had never heard that before. So there's the sobriety with the food, but then there's emotional sobriety. And the speaker shared that Bill W., despite all he had done with AA and despite his sobriety, was still suffering from depression. And so he realized like there was more to go Thank you. That he realized there was more to go in working the steps to deal with the um, the depression, and so um, I decided to work through the twelve steps on my weight that and my body image, my weight, and um, that reliance that my weight be a certain number for me to be okay. And um, I worked all twelve steps, and I got to tell you, that has quieted dramatically. I was always very uh, my uh, my serenity was reliant on the shape, size, and weight of my body. And I still can go there, but it's not like um, my driving, um, um, you know, objectives. That, and that really showed me how, like, wow, working the steps can, can really help. Um, I, I call into a meeting called A Vision for You. Some of you might have heard of it. It's a big book study. And over the years, I've been getting more and more into the big book. When I first joined OA, I would just roll my eyes when there would be a big book thumper at a meeting. Um, but what I'm learning is that this book has a prescription for how to recover from our disease. And so I want to share with you some of the things I'm learning. And um, in the, in the um, doctor's opinion, which is at the beginning, Dr. Silkworth talks about that uh, we are looking for ease and comfort. And let me see if I can find that page real quick might not be able to find it. So anyways, he talks, oh yes, here we are, page XXVIII at the bottom. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. 
The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after time differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They're restless, irritable, and discontented. Unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. Drinks which they see others taking with impunity. So um, Dr. Silkworth talks about ease and comfort. And so what I've learned in program is that, you know, food is not um, the problem. Food is the solution. And that my real disease is my restlessness, irritability, and discontentment. Now, those words don't mean a lot to me. So I've heard somebody say, you know, anxiety, overwhelm, fear. Like, okay, you're just, that's my everyday anxiety, overwhelm, and fear. And so that's my real illness is that I'm so anxious, overwhelmed, and afraid. And I'm looking for something to give me ease and comfort. And, you know, food works, you know. It still works for me. Um, And that's what I learned to do at a very young age. And it numbs me out. And then um, I eat or I overeat an abstinent meal. And then I go into the self-hatred and shame and blame. And then I attack myself that I'm overweight. And then I'm very self-occupied. So I can't really, um, you know, that maybe that thing that was scaring me is, um, I'm not focusing on that anymore. So the big book tells us how, you know, it's not just about putting down our substance. It's not just about putting down the food. It's about finding, working the steps to have even some comfort and having a power greater than ourselves. So um, working steps 10, 11, and 12 are meant to give us that ease and comfort. So 10 is about having regular inventory. And so whenever I'm disturbed, I, I you know, acknowledge that and I work a 10 step and I'll I can do a 10-step in a few minutes to demonstrate what I do. Um, and um, so I was taking regular inventory. So I do the big inventory in step four, but that's not going to, you know, I'm a human person. And the, um, there's one um, person in OA who's a big book um, expert, Harlan G. Um, he talks about the buildup of everyday human emotions. So maybe I did all my steps. I'm feeling good. But you know what? Life continues to happen. And I thought, like, if I worked these steps hard enough, then I would maybe live happily ever after. But Harlan reminded me, you know, I never rise above being human. So I have a 10 step because I am, you know, uh, that's part of my brain chemistry. I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm scared most of the time. And then I have the 11 step, which is prayer and meditation. Um, and that's kind of how I, I, I hook in with my higher power. So I do pray and meditate every day. And um, what's really working for me right now is imagining I'm on God's beam and, um, and really connecting with God. And I'm getting the sense that, like, I'm a, fig- I'm a figure it out or i, I got to figure everything out. And that's like, where I go. Like, I have to figure things out to be safe. But um, what I'm learning from my higher power is I just need to get on the beam. Like, oh, I ever ate, get on the beam. I failed at this thing, get on the beam. Um, I don't have to figure things out. I just need to get on the beam. And that's hard for me. You know, I fall off. I get back on all day long. Um, so that's something I'm working on to stay more consciously contacted, connected with my higher power. And then there's step 12, which is service. And um, the big book says that on page 20, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend on our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Now, I am a self-centered person. I was brought up to be very independent and self-reliant. And so, you know, that's where I am. I'm in my head trying to figure things out all day. And the big book said was that, you know, the only way we can truly recover is helping each other's, help, helping others. So service is, a, you know, a big part of my life. I do service here. 
um, uh, probably about three or four years ago, I decided my mother would be one of my service outreach calls. It doesn't have to just be OA. Um, and so I just started calling her. She, had, she broke her foot. So I thought, okay, I'm going to just start checking in on her every day. And then um, she healed, but I kept calling. And um, I got to tell you, that completely transformed our relationship that, you know, my mom was a difficult person. Um, she started calling me sweetie. She started telling me she loves me. She, she called me sweetie. I was just like, who is this? Um, and we, we started, you know, I, 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 you know, I loved her. I love her. Um, and, um, it, you know, whenever I could say that I can see a miracle of the program in the way my relationship with my mother transformed. And she passed away in October. And, um, you know, there's a lot of grief to deal with. And I'm clean. You know, like program meant that I, I don't have guilt, I don't have shame, I don't have remorse. That is a miracle. So the service doesn't have to just be for in program. Um, so um, let me just think where I want to go. So sometimes um, I, I, what I realize is I need to pay atten- attention to my, I have a lot of if only X, then Y. You know, if only I could lose five pounds, then I'd be fine. If only, um, you know, a certain person was in office, then I could relax, right? <laughs> right? But whatever I'm reliant on, then I'm not relying on my higher power. I'm relying on people, places, things, food, my weight, um, to be uh, at peace. So that's where I realize, like, whenever I'm kind of, if only my husband would... Um, I heard on a call recently, to, uh, the uh, person was sharing, she says the six man's prayer every day for her, her husband, um, which is, you know, God, um, you know, uh, uh, my husband is spiritually sick, as am I. I've also heard you can replace it with imperfect. My husband is imperfect, as am I. God, please save me from being angry. Help me grant my husband the same patience, tolerance, pity, kindness. I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. So... Sometimes I do that. Um, um, I'm going to share with you a 10th step, which I'm being disturbed with right now. So whenever I'm disturbed, I, I do a 10th step. And, um, and it's very quick and easy. So I've learned over the years many approaches that are long-winded, and uh, I avoided doing them. But I've learned one that's quick and easy, and I just call someone and leave a voicemail. So right now I'm reliant on, um, I'm feeling reliant on money. I have my own business. And business has been slow, and my income has been very low, and I feel quite panicked, and my self-worth is really uh, low right now. Self-esteem is low, and um, so I'm like, if only I could get another client, that's where I'm at. So, um, and then resentment, I don't have to be like raging mad, or resentment just means something I'm feeling over and over, I'm re-feeling. So I resent that business has been quiet, and um, you know, and I don't know what God has in store for me, so... Um, but I resent that it, inf- it impacts my ambitions, and my ambitions is how I want things to be. It impacts my s- security, absolutely, my financial security, and my um, personal and sex relations, because I get really withdrawn when I'm uh, distressed and um, fearful, and it impacts my self-esteem for sure. And then my part is that I am filled with fear. Like I just feel like I'm going to be living in the gutter next week, and that I have a complete failure. My whole life is falling apart. That's where I go. And um, I'm probably dishonest because I'm not going to be in the gutter. I do have a husband, and we do have savings. Um, 
and um, and I am probably do have some worth. And then um, and then I'm also self-reliant, like I'm I'm trying to do this all myself rather than being God-reliant. And then it, uh, when I'm in this place, I'm so self-absorbed, self-centered, and filled with self-pity. And the big book tells, tells us that self-pity and self-centeredness will kill us. So now I ask God to relieve me of my character defects. God, please relieve me of my fear, my dishonesty, my self-reliance and self-pity and replace them with what you would have me be, which is to, um, well, what I hear is to relax and take it easy, which feels really funny to me right now. I don't so know how I relax and take it easy when I'm feeling so stressed, but, um, but maybe I can trust my higher power. And then I, um, you know, can welcome in a little bit of peace around this. Um, and then I do a, a service. And then I think I call someone to be of service and I don't talk about myself because that's hard for me. I'm a self-centered person to not talk about myself. So I might call, you know, Jerry and just do an outreach call. Hey, Jerry, how's it going? And it's not about me just for a few minutes. So that's how I do a 10th step. And I might do two or three a day. Right now, I call my sponsor every day, and I'm, doing a, I'm, I'm actually working on my 10th step right now. But, you know, if I do that once a day, 50 times a day, whatever, then I don't have that buildup, and there's a point where I start thinking food is the solution. Um, I'm also was uh, writing down here before the meeting some, there's like the, there's like the place where I'm head first in the food, but if I back up, there's things going on, like there's the resentments and fears, there's that, what I'll notice is I'll start eating faster. So it's my, you know, abstinent salad at lunchtime, but I'm like eating it fast. So sometimes just slowing down and chewing, counting my chews helps me to remember there's something in my mouth that's not about the next bite. The bites will get bigger. Um, you know, this food thing is so complex and subtle. You know, I can binge on, um, I, uh, I don't really binge, but I could overeat an abstinent meal. And I get really into um, making, um, trying to make kind of sexy thing, you know, abstinent ingredients, ingredients, but making them into sexy things. I, I, I you know, it's kind of creative, but um, I, I've also learned food needs to be pretty boring. So when I'm thinking about it, like I'll wake up and go, oh, what are we, you know, what's, oh, you know, I'll think about my breakfast. Like, can I think about my higher power as much as I think about food? Like, how would that be? You know, what's for lunch? Where am I going to go for lunch? I want to. God, God. You know, maybe I just say God, God every time I'm thinking about food because I do think about food a lot, and and part of it is practical because you know I got to go somewhere that is compliant to the way that I eat, and you know, and um, you know I do have to put a lot of thought into it, but sometimes it can be, um, you know. Uh, my my uh, my focus. So, okay, I'm self-employed, and the big book tells me that you know we have a new director, we have a new employer. So I don't think I've probably really let God run my business. Um, and you know, also I need to put program first, even in front of my business, because otherwise everything falls apart. On page 124 in the AA 12 and 12, it finishes the 12 steps saying. True ambition is the deep desire to live usefully and to walk humbly <clears throat> under the grace of God. And so, you know, those are things I need to look at. Am I trying, do I want to make money just so I can buy more things? Do I want to have a successful business so I can, my ego can feel happy? Or am I really here to serve my higher power, you know? And I'm asking for God to bring me companies that I can be of service to. 
So I'm trying to be more humble. And, you know, I've been feeling pretty crappy lately, but, you know, humility is about not feeling the worst and not feeling the best. So I'm, I'm seeing that there's a need for humility even in my, uh, in my current, you know, I'm grieving also for my mom, but in my current um, stressful state. So just have a um, look through my notes. I just um, so so for me, um, I've worked the steps many times. I'm working the steps also about my my, my work, and um, but I continue to work steps at ten, eleven, twelve every day. <clears throat> I start my mornings with reading, writing, and meditation. And then, uh, uh, like I said, I can get quite anxious and overwhelmed. And something that really helps me, like, you know, we, we have a saying, one day at a time. Most days, one day is a day at a time is just too much for me. I cannot handle a day at a time. So an hour at a time really helps. So in the morning, like, I'll start thinking about the whole day. and like, oh, yeah. And then I, um, you know, let's say it's 7.30. Like, all I have to do is get to 8.30 this morning. Okay, that's my workout and taking a shower and getting dressed. Like, that's all I have to think about. And somehow, when I do that, the, my higher power seems to manage the rest of the day. So sometimes it's 15 minutes at a time. But um, I, I heard there's a, I haven't read it, but there's a book called One Breath at a Time. So I think that's, you know, rather than trying to do a whole day, I think I need to just get into those smaller pieces. So um, I am definitely on the journey with you. I am here to learn and grow and, you know, work this program um, and, um, you know, just uh, I would appreciate your thoughts and prayers because I'm going through a rough time right now. And, um, you know, just uh, really grateful to be one of many. Thank you. Thank you.